As we go into this, uh, the message that I have for today, I want to pray over this because uh, there's some things on my heart that I believe God is speaking to all of us that I think it's important for all of us to hear with our heart, not just with our head. Father, we thank you that as uh, we open your word, and Lord, that we share what's on your heart, Father, we don't need to hear from man, we need to hear from you. So I thank you, Father, for your anointing on me to teach, for the anointing of every ear to hear and every heart to receive that precious seed of the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, as, I, as I've as i been preparing this message, uh, I gave it a title, and I'll probably think of a better title after after I'm done teaching, but the, one of the things uh, that came to my mind is, whose side are you on? Okay, the the one that I ended up with was what is the score? And really, you need to know both if you're going to participate in. And you know, I'll be talking about sports a lot, but there are some things that have been going on in the world, particularly in this nation, the United States, that have uh, brought a lot of discouragement and a lot of um, anxiousness to people in the body of Christ. And I want to talk about that just just for a couple of minutes here, um, because I've never seen such a clear separation between good and evil that that we see right now in the world, and even even in the church, the people are are. You are all going to have to make a decision. Some of us have already made it, but that decision is. Which side are you on? There have been lots of prophetic words. Uh, Brother Hagen from back in the 80s and, and others uh, talked about this time that we're living in right now, about the, the fight, the, the war, the, the storm between good and evil. And, uh, you know, it looks bad. It, it really looks bad. It looked pretty bad when the Israeli... Israelis were leaving Egypt and they got to the Red Sea and there's no place to go and here's the Egyptian army coming up behind him. It looked pretty bad. It seems like I heard some one of prophetic voice a little while ago said God likes drama. You know, he 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 just likes to go right to the very end. And one of the things things are being exposed that wouldn't have been exposed otherwise. But uh I want us to to go to a a scripture in uh, Psalm 62. Psalm 62, and uh, we'll start with verse 1. It says, Truly my soul silently waits for God. From Him comes my salvation. It's important. From Him. This is the thing we're going to emphasize in these scriptures. Verse 2, He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be greatly moved. Then down to verse 5, My soul, talking to myself now, or the writer here is talking to himself, My soul, wait silently for God alone. Now when we talk, talk about Wait silently. That doesn't necessarily mean you never speak anything. The the thing that we're hearing more and more is we need to be very, very 
attentive and cautious about what we allow ourselves to speak out, especially in these coming uh, throughout this whole year. In fact, in fact, through our lives, if you're if you're uh, want to follow what the Bible says about it, we need to be careful what we hear and what we say. And uh, you know, in, in uh, it, as we were praying and talking before the service, uh, I was reminded of, of Hebrews one three where it says that, that he upholds all things by the word of his power. It doesn't say the power of his word, which is, which is powerful. It says the word of his power. And that, that speaks to me that his word in our mouth has great power. And that's what we need to be focused on. That's what we need to be speaking. Not speaking what seems to be the obvious thing that everything is such a disaster right now. Uh, let's keep going here. He only is my, let's see, where go we? He only, my soul waits silently for God alone, verse 5. For my expectation is from Him. Verse 6. He only, there it is again. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. Ooh, that's it. I shall not be moved. Verse 7, In God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Um, only. That's, that's very important. You need to really get that in us, that that. He only. You know, the, the whole world is in uh, unusual, would be the, a real understatement, a, a real unusual time that we've been living in. Uh, it's, it's gotten so chaotic and so demonic that uh, sometimes we, we're just ready to throw up our hands and say, uh, uh, where is God? Listen, God is, is in this. Things are not done. Um, but one of the things we need to to do is uh, make sure that if, if we're walking with God and and putting our trust and faith in Him, we won't be shaken. Now there'll be uh, attempts to shake us. In fact, the, the Bible says that everything in these last days, everything that can be shaken, will be shaken. And and listen, we've been we've been dealing with some people in in our churches in Europe that uh, are being shaken. And we're really praying for them and trying to work with them that they they make the, chi- the right choice of what side they're on. Uh, but people are, are just not, not really focusing on Him only. Being, being the guide, being the source, being the foundation, being the rock. Um, but one of the things that... Uh, you know, in this time when things seem like they're being shaken up, it's it's that time that you find out who your source is. Who is your source? You know, you you find out what kind of rock you've built your life on. Um, you know, the, we've had all the 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 riots, and this last week we had the the uh, storming they called it of the uh, of the uh, capital, and. It was interesting because you know the the we in a sense as as uh, conservatives are getting the blame for all of that, 
And yet, I, as you look at the, the videos of, of what happened last Wednesday, it, it, was, uh, it was clear that most of the people were kind of like tourists. And, and they're going, taking selfies, walking in there. And, and there were evil people. People uh, really led by the evil one who were, were in charge of, of uh, making all that commotion and that mess. But so people got discouraged. People are still talking about that as, as well. It's just awful. Um, but our, our life, our hope can't be built on the government, on politicians. Uh, people will disappoint us. And, and the, the bottom line is you can look to God or you can look to man. Now, when you, uh, the, really those are only the two directions you can, you can go. Now, looking to man includes yourself. Looking, trying to do, there are a lot of people that think I have, uh, you know, I can do this. I can figure this out. Um, that's, that's not always the best way to go. In fact, it's never the best way to go. Um, depending on yourself or depending even on others. There's two directions. And if you're smart, your choice will be what we read in Psalm 62. Only God. Only Him. And our attitude needs to be, He only is my rock, my salvation. He's my defense. He's He's my only source. And really, we look at things and we, we see things coming from one one place and another and we think that's our source. That might be the channel. God is the source. God is our only source. We need to look at it that way. Only one. And you can tell what you've been depending on when it is removed from you, when it's no longer available. Then then how do we how do we react? You know, a stimulus check is not what we should be depending on. Now, you do know where the government gets its money from, right? It's, it's, uh, it, there's not some tree in, in Washington, D.C. that grows, uh, $100 bills. No. It comes from us. It comes from you and me. So, um, that, you know, in that sense, we're our own source if that's what we're, what we're looking to. But that's, that's not what's to help us make it, make it in life. If we look to anything else other than God as our source, we're going to be disappointed. If you look to man to meet your needs, it's, it's a disappointment every time. But when your eyes are only on Him, nothing can shake you. And not that, like I said, not that things won't try and, and invade your life and, and shake you up, but if you're solid in Him, uh, nothing can shake you. And, and for us to be secure, again, He must be our only. And, and we should remind ourselves of that often. He is my only. He's, He's only Him is my rock, my source, my salvation. Now, I'm getting uh, choked up over this, so I'll have a little sip. Let's go to Psalm. We're in Psalm. Let's go to, to chapter 20, Psalm 20, and verse 7. It says in verse 7, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we, 
meaning we're not the sum, we're the but we, will remember the name of the Lord our God. It's important. There's several places in the Bible where it talks about how when things look bad and things look like, looks like the wrong people are getting blessed, it says, but you, but we. We still need to do what we know is the right thing to do. So, uh, and that's what it's, it's saying here. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. You know, back in that day, uh, a strong te- team of horses and a, and a chariot, especially if it was a metal chariot, that was cutting edge military might right there. And, uh, you know, there were even, even chariot, if you've seen the old uh, Ben-Hur movie, uh, of the chariot race, there was the, the bad guy that had the, the big blades on the, on his wheel. That, that was not just for the movie. They really had those. And they were, it was a killing machine. And, uh, so that was, that was a powerful weapon back then. Verse 8, it says, but they, they who, they who trust in horses and chariots have bowed down and and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. They trusted in the wrong thing, the horses and chariots. In other words, trusting in man, trusting in the things man can can do or provide. You know, today we might say something like, "Well, we've we've got these, we've got big tanks, we've got this uh, great." Uh, missile defense system. Uh, that's not where our trust should be. Thank God. Now, he's not saying you can't have horses and chariots. In fact, there's a scripture that says the horse is prepared for the day of battle. We need to prepare. We need to be, be willing and ready to fight when necessary. But that's not where our, our, our trust is not in, in that, that military might. And, uh, so he didn't say you couldn't have a horse, you can't uh, have a chariot, you can't have a good defense system. But uh, the problem isn't the horse or the chariot. The problem is where is the trust? And uh, if you're trusting the horse instead of God, that's a big problem. Now, it's easy to say, yeah, we trust the Lord. Yes, we trust you, Lord. We trust you. Uh, and it's easy to say it until you really need something. And uh, then we find out where your trust really is and and who you look to, to in, in times of trouble. Um, some trust in chariots, some in horses, and it's not the horses, it's the trust in them. Verse uh, verse 7 again says, but we, because, because he is our only rock, will remember the name of the Lord our God. And because they put their trust in the horses and chariots, they are brought down and fallen. And, you know, people say that, well, you know, I know it says that, but, but, oh, it looks so bad. I mean, things are, things are really falling apart here. Um, don't, don't let that come out of your mouth. Don't let that, you know, trust in Him. Follow Him. We we know that that look at well Second Timothy. This has been a, a scripture that's been brought out over and over during these these last few few months. Second Timothy chapter three. Um, it says verse one. But know this that in the last days, how many of you know this is the last days? You know, you know we've talked about the last days ever since I've been a Christian, but. 
there, if you, if you look at the, the news, and, and in fact, I wouldn't spend too much time looking at the news, but everything you see indicates, you know, the Bible is true. The, the Bible knows what it's talking about. I should pay attention to it. It says, in the last days, perilous times will come. Have you noticed? Perilous times are here. For men, and this is talking about mankind, there are male men and female men, not to be uh, politically correct like some and try and take gender out of everything, but men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Skip down to verse 9. This is important. But they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. Verse 10, but you, there it is again, but you. It looks like everything's falling apart, but you, it says, have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions. Oh, these don't sound good, do they? Which happened to me at Antioch. This is the Apostle Paul talking here. At Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's not the happiest verse in the Bible. But it's a verse that I need to know because I I need to stand on that because I know things are going to try to attack me. And it's interesting that... uh, that back in the, in the next chapter, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul calls all these things a momentary light affliction. No big deal, you know. Momentary light affliction. And, and that's, if, if, you're, if your heart, if your trust is in the right place, that's all it will be. God didn't say He's going to keep everything, uh, keep us from facing any challenges. He says, in this world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer, because I have overcome the world. And we are his children. We are overcome the world with him. Let's keep reading in Second Timothy uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 13. It says, But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Kind of reminds me of the, the modern-day media that we uh, used to depend on. Verse 14, here it is again. But you, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them. But you, when, when the world seems like it's falling apart, but you, but me, we still need to, to stay faithful to the Word of God, to follow what God says, because evil will come. Evil is here. Have you noticed? There's, there's evil in the world. And, and it's, 
been getting worse and worse. Evil has become more evil. Therefore, good has to become more good. And that's, that's us. That's what we, we have a responsibility there. We, we can't just be spectators of the evil that's happening. And that's what brings me to, to what I, uh, really intended to talk about, about sports. Because I like sports. Those of you who have heard me before know that, that I like, I, sports, sports is still in me. Um, years ago, I was given a prophetic word by a pastor that, that we knew that said, and I want to read it the way he gave it to you, it says, uh, you've been a player, a coach, and a spectator. And that was me. That's all of you, really. It's time to decide what you are in the kingdom of God. And I believe that's what God is calling believers to right now. It's time to decide what you are in the kingdom of God. That's so important. You know, Paul used sports analogies a lot of times to, to stress a point. I like to use sports to make uh, biblical, biblical truths uh, a little more understandable. And so you think about what's, what's the point, what's the goal of playing a game? To win. Now, I, you know, I know people say, well, it's only a game. It doesn't really matter. Then why do we keep score if it's only a game? Uh, and I used to say, I still say it sometimes, it doesn't matter. It's only a game. It doesn't matter whether you win or lose unless you lose. Then it matters. It's, it really, it's, it's war is the same way. It, you better be in that war to win. You know, I will, I'll cross out Vietnam because of just the, the political decisions that were going on there. Uh, that's my era. But the purpose of war is to win, not to, not to lose. Um, I remember, uh, General Patton when he speech, and I'll, I'll rephrase it because we're in church, but he, he says, uh, I don't want you to die for your country. I want you to make that other guy die for his country. You know, we're, we're in it to win it. And uh, so, you know, but I, when I was an athlete, I, I enjoyed uh, playing a lot more than watching. But as you get older, you start to realize that watching is quite a bit easier. And uh, people have a passion for their team. and And we're talking about the team of, of being a Christian. We need to develop that, that same kind of passion. Uh, but in, in the sports world, they, uh, yell at the referees. They, they cheer for their team. Oh, and it, you know, people get excited about football, baseball, basketball here. But you go to Europe or South America and go to a soccer game, those people are just, I mean, they, they make us look like sitting in church with your arms folded uh, compared to, to that. So it's, uh, you know, our first, my first time to, to Europe to go to Hungary, we arrived the day of the World Cup final. World Cup is soccer for those of you in my generation that don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, it was the World Cup final, and they greeted us at the airport and were in such a hurry to get us home because we were 
we're going to watch the World Cup final. I, I never did like soccer. You know, I was, I, you know, I always thought of soccer as a communist sport, so I never really, uh, got into it. But we, we went there and, you know, we'd been, in my first, uh, experience flying a long ways. So, I'm tired. And I'm trying to be so interested in that, in that game that they're just running back and forth and back and forth. And I'm dozing off and there, everybody else is there yelling and screaming and it's just, they get so excited. They get caught up in, in the emotion of that. Um, and sometimes people watch so much that they think they're part of that. You know, people, they can't hear you. If you're watching it on TV, they can't hear you. That coach, that player can't, can't hear you. But we get so wrapped up and, and think we're in the game. But here's, here's one of the dangers. And this is a danger that enters into Christianity. Don't, don't make the fatal mistake of thinking that just because you know a thing, you're doing it. And that's, even in ministry, you can get caught up in that and, and it's very dangerous to think, well, I know that, I know that scripture, I know what the Bible says, but am I, am I living it? Am I doing it? Um, this must be a dry message because I'm... You know, when you, when you play games, when you're in sports, there's a prize involved a lot of times. Maybe a, a trophy or a, or a medal um, that that helps motivate so that I practice harder and I I try to to do our best in in the uh, competition. Um, look look at Hebrews chapter twelve. Hebrews chapter twelve verse two says, "Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him." Endured the cross. I mean, this, this is so overwhelming to me that Jesus, even going to the cross, had a joy before him because he, he was looking beyond the cross to, to, to you and I here today. And it says, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. In, in sports and Especially in Christianity, it's so important to see beyond what we can see in the natural realm. Because it's, in the, in the natural realm, uh, what we see right now is a lot of darkness and a lot of chaos, a lot of commotion. That's why our focus needs to be Him only. He needs to be our source. But, uh, the, the prize in Christianity, we talk about the, the reward, the prize, is the souls of people. And, and it's time to get off the sidelines and into the game. And that's where a lot of people are, are just making the mistake of just watching what's going on. You need to be part of what's going on. Um, each sport has a rule book. Our rule book is the Bible. And uh, in our rule book is the Great Commission as part of the, the plan, the strategy of, of our, our coach, God, Jesus. Matthew 28, verse 
starting with verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That's... uh, that's one of the goals. That's we're, we're making disciples. You know, in in sports there are rules. What what do I have to do? What do I need to do to to be a winner? You know, in in basketball it's pretty simple. You put the ball in the hoop more than the other team. Um, but spiritually, it's reaching people for Christ. And and we're no longer living for ourselves. It's a team effort. Just like in sports. You know, it's more than just getting, uh, somebody to, to pray a prayer. It's, it's recruiting new team members, if you want to look at it that way. Make disciples. Make disciples. And, and it's a mistake in sports or in Christianity to rely on a superstar. Now, hear, hear what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not saying, See, people think if I could just get to Brother Copeland and have him lay hands on me, or Benny Hinn, or, or whoever you, you fill in the blank with whoever is, is your favorite uh, uh, person that, that has an anointing for, for healing or whatever. That's wonderful. That's, you know, I'm not taking anything away from that. God bless them and thank God for them. But we... It's not getting people to go to them so they can get that, that great anointing. It's, it's okay to do that. But they can't win the game for us. That superstar. Michael Jordan didn't win six championships by himself. He had to have other... And, and when he would try to play for himself, they would lose. But he also was good in, in assists and, and rebounds and defense. He, he wasn't just a, a one-dimensional player. Um, so superstars don't win championships. And, uh, you know, thank God for the, the people that might be considered superstars in Christianity, but, but we are part of that same team. Um, and, and each one of us is responsible for, for our part. You know, when Nehemiah was building the wall, it was an impossible task. But he, he assigned people, each, each person had a, a place and, and, uh, you know, they, they had a, a tool in one hand and a weapon in the other hand, but they were building the wall in an impossible situation, but they had assignments. Everybody had to do their part. That's why the scripture that I read in the offering about, about each one being, doing their part in the body. Um, another thing that sometimes you see in, in uh, sports is they'll they'll use trick plays you know and, and in uh, in football there's a lot of different trick trick plays in basketball there aren't as many but there are some there was one that one of our coaches uh, at at Portland Christian used where one of the players they're standing by the door out in that goes out into the hallway in the gym he goes out one door down the hall and in the other door and nobody sees him, he's open for a shot on the other side. That 
work, work maybe once in a season. It's not the, not the kind of thing that you would, uh, you don't base your, your whole season on trick plays. Um, but in, in, uh, Christianity, I, you know, I, I'm kind of hesitant to say this, but, you know, when, when you have to use smoke machines and laser lights and different things like that to, to kind of almost trying to simulate the Holy Spirit's presence, um, the real thing is a lot better than than those those uh, other kinds of things. So we need to practice in sports. We need to practice in Christianity. We need to practice in sports. Uh, there are drills, uh, lifting weights, practice at home. You know, I remember when when I was in uh, high school and and even first part of college when I was still living at home. Uh, my mother would go, you know, she'd get really beside herself because I was in shot put, you know, I'm practicing going around the house backwards and it just kind of drove her bonkers for a while. So, but it was, it was part of what I, I was, I was so committed to doing that. that everything, you, you can't do everything just in practice. And, and being in church, this isn't the game. This is practice. This is getting ready for what's outside of the walls of the church. Now, a good team member recognizes that he is under the authority of the coach. And sometimes people have the attitude, well, the coach has all these rules. He just doesn't want me to have any fun. No, he wants you to win. He wants you to do everything you can to be in the best possible position to be a winner and and represent your team well, be part of the team. Um, The success of any team depends on every player being in their position, doing what they are supposed to be doing. You are here to serve the team. Now, that's that's what we tell players in, in sports. In fact, if you remember, I guess back to... Ben Hur movie again. I haven't watched it for a long time. I don't know why it came up so often here. But in Ben Hur, there was a scene when uh, Charlton Heston was was in in the Ben Hur. He was in the the slave ship, and they they were they had a, a wreck with another ship, and they were out in the ocean, and he was there with the captain of the ship, and uh, <laughs> the the line was. Uh, that he heard back when he was on the oars and then when he told this captain out on the on the raft that they had found, said, we keep you alive to serve this ship. Row well and live. You know, and that's, you know, that's that's kind of an extreme, but we're here to serve the Lord, to serve the the whole team, to be part, to be in our part, doing what need, need to be. Not everybody is supposed to be a pastor. Not everybody is supposed to be a missionary, but everybody is supposed to be doing something. And it's, it's time to, like I said, get off the sideline and into the game. And, uh, we're in the game. The next thing is, what's the score? You know, where, where do we stand in this game? First Corinthians chapter nine. Starting with verse 19. 
says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Go to verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. In other words, run to win. The race that we're in, we need to win. Verse 25, everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus, I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. There are, there are things we should be doing as believers, not necessarily, it's talking about disciplining the physical body here, but our flesh needs to be disciplined to, to spend time in the Word, to spend time in prayer, to be preparing ourselves so that we have something that we can share with others that will bring them closer to Jesus. God has strategies to win the game that we're in. And one of the strategies, and it's important in sports, it's important in, in Christianity, motivation. What, what motivates high school kids to, to win? Motivation is probably 90% of, of uh, success in, in high school sports. But in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Starting in verse 14, it says, For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. You're a new creation. A new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed us to the word of reconciliation. We are given a, a ministry of reconciliation. The motivation that we talk about, the motivation is love. And, and love for God, love for people. The, another part of the, the strategy is the, the message that, and the message from this is God 
uh, God loves and restores. John 3.16, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. God wiped away everything that was held against us and we need to be careful that we're not teaching a message of condemnation but of love. And then uh, another thing that, that is part of the strategy of, of God's team is remember God's method. And, and in, in preparing, you, you might be asking yourself, you know, what can I do? I just, I don't, I'm not trained. I didn't go to Bible school. Romans 10, verse 9 through 15. That, and if you get this in you, you can share this and, and help lead people to the Lord. We just had some people in Romania that had, uh, they, they had, well not only, this was in Hungary, the Hungarian church. They, uh, they called and asked because their leader had to go away for a while and they were, they didn't know what to do. They're so new in the things of, of Christianity. Can we lead somebody to the Lord? We've got some people here that, that would like to know, but we don't know. We, so Marta helped them to, to, and shared this with them. Romans 10, starting with verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Verse 13, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him of whom they have not believed, and how shall they believe in Him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? That's you. And now, and how shall they preach unless they are sent? You're being sent. You, you might be to the person next to you, but you're sent. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. You know, you may not be the next Billy Graham. But you may be the person who leads the next Billy Graham to the Lord. You know, we, we know someone uh, who, who led uh, Reinhard Bonnke to the Lord. How many of you have heard of Reinhard Bonnke? He, had, he passed away a, a while ago, but uh, he had, we had the privilege of, of being in his office, in his uh, um, place of, of ministry in, in Orlando. He has on a wall one of the meetings that he had that he, one million people were saved in one meeting. I mean, just the logistics of, of that. But they were, they were definitely, they had uh, records of every one of them. Uh, someone led him to the Lord. We don't, you don't hear about the one who led him to the Lord, but without him, there are millions of people that would never have heard about Jesus. So, um, we need to ask ourselves, where, where am I in the game? Which side am I on? Am I a player? Am I on the sidelines? Am I just watching? We're not supposed to be just spectators. And, and uh, just to, to say something that I've heard growing up, it's time to get a mitt and get in the game. Amen? Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, that we are on your team. Lord, people ask sometimes, whose side is the Lord on? Uh, Lord, I want to be on your side. And Father, we thank you that you're teaching us, causing us to grow, causing us to take our place in the body that we might win those who are uh, struggling right now and, and who don't know where they belong, Father. We thank you that we are your sheep. We hear your voice, the voice of another we will not follow. Thank you, Father, for being our provider, for being our only source. You only is where we trust. In Jesus' name, amen.